Hello and welcome to our Southampton versus Brighton and Hove Albion big match build-up show. We're back after the international break and this one seemed to come just at the wrong time for Saints. And for the most part of last season, we were hoping for a break from the perils of Premier League football. But Saints headed into this break on the back of two wins and two clean sheets. And we have to wait just that little little bit longer to return to Premier League football as we play on Monday night at St. Mary's under the lights for the first time at home this season. So coming up on this week's show, there is a new bar at St. Mary's and find out how and why we think Nathan Redmond is now suddenly a key player for Saints plans. I mean, I'm not going to get involved with the gas bar, but the players have got to get involved with the game. We've got to get our players on the ball, like Nathan Redmond, like Danny Ings, like Shane Long. We've got to get the ball up to them quickly. And the good thing about Mark Hughes is he's encouraging a direct style of football. By that, I don't mean hoofing it up, but he's encouraging players to play the ball forward and look for Nathan Redmond quickly. And I get a chance to catch up with a familiar face once again and find out who he thinks will be almost guaranteed to be caught offside for Brighton on Monday night. He still has not learned the offside rule. He has no pace. And I think he's always trying to be, you know, trying to steal a march on a defender. And he cannot not be offside. I would lay really good odds that he will be caught offside so many times on Monday. So let us know how you're enjoying the show. The episode is available to download in the card above my head on YouTube. And we're also available on most audio platforms in the links below. Feel free to join the conversation. Leave us a comment on the YouTube video or get in touch with us on the usual social means. But now is time to kick off our build up for Southampton versus Brighton and Hove Albion. So welcome along to our first half of our big match build-up show. International breaks feel like they go on much longer than they should. Uh, Saints having to wait even longer this time to uh, return to Premier League action as we play Brighton and Hove Albion on Monday night. So back with me tonight to look forward to the first home game under the lights this season. Nick is here. And Nick, it seems like this international break came at the wrong time just as much momentum was growing um, we had a couple of progressive uh, performances and some second halves and then followed by two wins and two clean sheets yeah it's it sort of broke up the momentum a little bit you felt after the win at Palace that we perhaps turned a corner but having said that you know it's given us time to relax uh, the squad a little bit get some injuries out of the way and perhaps we're two weeks further on in the training and maybe it's made us raring to go what we've got to do this season which we've really failed to do last is win more than one game in a row I think we maybe won twice in a row once even twice last season and we've got to do it well so Brighton's a good opportunity to, to win in front of our own fans for a rare rare time yeah certainly uh, we'll also install some, some some belief back into our home fans which are long overdue some some wins I think it was about one win and about 16 something ridiculous um, over the course of the sort of last nine months let's say but uh, we had a few players away for international duty this week 
and sort of seemingly none of them come back with any injuries, which is a good thing usually. Uh, Stephen Davis, you wrote a little article about him earlier this week. He complained about his lack of game time with Southampton, but he scored a cracking goal for the Northern Irish team uh, on Tuesday night and seemingly ran the show. Um, is he in with any sort of chance of actually breaking into the first team at the moment? Well, it's difficult to see how he'd get in ahead of players like uh, Lamina, Romu, Hoiberg, and even up-and-coming players who can play in the centre of the park in uh, Armstrong and uh, and the other one. Uh, Will Prowse. Will Prowse. <laughs> uh, so you're looking at it and, say, and saying it's difficult to see where he'll get a game. But we really do lack his leadership. If there's one thing we lack on the field and have lacked last, last year in the second half, especially with someone on there that can, tr- can control a game and... You know, I don't think it's any coincidence that so many late goals were given away because there was no one out there on the pitch to sort of steady the ship and take the helm in the dying minutes. And one player that didn't actually come back with an injury, he didn't even go on duty to uh, the uh, to Irish team this time. Uh, Shane Long, he picked up a bit of a knock at Crystal Palace, you know, a bit of a surprise selection, some could say, but he retained his place at Crystal Palace. Um do we know the extent of his injury at the moment? I, I'm not too sure he's, he'll be fit and raring to go on Monday. No, I mean, he, he's had two weeks. It depends how, you know, quickly, you know, he's recovered from the knock. I mean, Shane Long has is, is often been a whipping boy for some supporters who based performances purely and simply on goal scored. But Shane Long showed at Palace where he was instrumental in the opening goal for Danny Ings that it's not just about scoring goals, it's about making goals. And what what Long offered us at Palace was he held the ball up well. On a lot of occasions when the ball came upfield into him, he either held it up, laid it off or drew a free kick. And, you know, I don't think it's any coincidence that when we went to Potter little bit in the last 20 minutes at Sellers Park it was after Long had gone off and you know we lost what he brought to the game yeah and he, I think he also created a little bit of space for Danny Ings as well drawed away a couple of defenders and that's what you know he does Shane Long um I think it's a chance also to take a uh, take a quick look back at Crystal Palace. You know, a good performance by by all means, and perhaps uh, dampened a little bit by Charlie Austin's pathetic penalty. More importantly, though, is we, it doesn't matter where it is, home or away, we've got to pick up wins and get points on the board. But what what we've got to start to instill in ourselves is a, is a self belief that we can win. What's been surrounding the team for too long now has been a negative attitude, uh, you know, from the supporters to a deal. I'm not slagging anyone off here, but in any environment, you can't succeed in a negative environment, whatever it is. And, you know, we've got to look and say, do we want Saints to succeed? Yes, we do. So we've got to create a positive attitude and we can't keep harping back to last season and snidey comments on social media or in the pub about, you know, Saints players or whatever. We've got to give everyone a clean shit clean slate and say right it's about what you do this season not what you did last season or the season before or even the season before that give people clean slate and base it on what you've done and players like Shane Long Wesley Hoop Nathan Redman players who got a lot of stick last season people might just look up and say actually they're you know quite valuable to the team and Mark Hughes now has said himself you know he's got a good squad he's got quality players in every position perhaps not the quality that we've had in recent years with the likes of Virgil van Dijk for argument's sake but still good strong players and you know give them 
them a chance. You know, let's judge them on this season. Yeah, absolutely. And a prime example, you said there on the end of that trio, Nathan Redmond took so much abuse, so much stick, so much criticism. Last two years, in fact. But this year, he's become an important figure in the team, you know, looking like sort of a, a brand new uh, brand new signing this season, you know, perhaps bringing to the game that we knew that he, well, what we expected him, really. The thing is with Nathan Redmond, he didn't have a great season last year, but he still contributed. You know, in the death last season, Nathan Redmond did two things that did as much to keep us up. Firstly, when we played Bournemouth, he got the ball on the edge of the penalty area, he nicked it off someone's foot and he just rolled the ball to Mario Lamina, who run 10 yards, played Tadic in, scored for the opening goal. Now again, good bit of work, positive work that no one really gave Redmond credit for. Uh, secondly, he scored at Everton uh, and Again, that made something because, I mean, OK, we nearly won the game, but it gave us belief and we went into Swansea with the belief that we could win it. And again, Redmond doesn't get the credit he deserves. I mean, Burnley away, what what most people will go on about is, oh, Josh Sims crossed for uh, Carrillo and Gaviadini banged it in. But what people don't look at is the man who won the ball, albeit with the help of a referee on the day, mm was Nathan Redmond, who ran 20 yards, opened up space, for, ran into the right position, which meant it pulled Burnley in towards him, opened up the space for Josh Sims to, to, go, to run into clear space, which meant that all Redmond had to do was lay 20-yard balls. And, you know, that's just three occasions where Nathan Redmond influenced the game. And I was speaking to someone earlier on, and we were talking about Steve De Ridder, a, a, a winger of this parish who signed for Saints seven years ago now. And when he first came, people thought, oh, he's brilliant. But all he did was run at players and get put into the corner. And, you know, after five or six games, a few people had sussed out that he wasn't perhaps the greatest winger in the world because he was just... He was just getting, you know, marshalled into dead ends all the time. And that's a little bit what Nathan Redmond isn't about, because Nathan Redmond can influence games. And although he had a poor season, didn't have the comments, he's, uh, he's influenced games. Yeah, Nathan Redmond seems like he's playing with belief, playing with pride as well, most importantly as well. Um, and hopefully he can continue some of that uh, that confidence on Monday night with Brighton. The last two games in the Premier League, 2-1-1 one, one draws. Um, first of all, the, the draw down at the Amex at, uh, around this time last season, around October. We go 1-0 up. Murray nods up with a header. And again, he equalises on the return leg in January. He loves scoring against Saints. He's a bullish centre forward. He draws so many fouls. I think he's got the most amount in the Premier League. How can we keep him quiet? Well, we've got the players to keep him quiet now. We've got height in the back. We've got Vestergaard. We've got players who want to win. And it, and again, you know, the Hope-Vestergaard partnership. It's no use whinging on about whether Wesley Hope was good or bad last season. What, what we've got to do is give him and Vestergaard 10, 12 games together to show that they're the two men to play centre-half. So we've got Wesley Hoop, we've got Vestergaard, two international centre-halves. Give them 10 games. If they're not doing it in 10 games, then start to criticise him. But you've said it there with Nathan Redmond. What the difference between Nathan Redmond is you've got a bit of belief. You know, there's nothing worse for a player like Redmond, attacking player, to get the ball. And when you take on a man 
oh, you hit across and no one gets on me and that moan, that groan from the crowd, you know, it destroys players. What they want to hear is players saying, you know, the crowd saying, come on, urging him on, take the man on. And if he loses it, you know, applaud him and say, go again. You know, that, that's the great, great wheels. People think that Matthew Letizia scored with every shot or created a goal with every pass. He didn't. And that's what you've got to remember about Nathan Redmond. Give him a chance. A big, a big statistic I've got here, actually. I know Clive loves facts, and I found a fun fact. Probably not much of fun facts, but Saints do not enjoy playing on Mondays. Uh, Saints are winless in their last 10 Premier League matches on a Monday night, drawing three, losing seven. Well, you know, another fun fact for Clive is, you know, when we won at Palace last year on a Saturday afternoon, we only won three other Saturday games up until Crystal Palace this year. So in literally 51 weeks, we won three times in the Premier League on a Saturday in almost a year. Two of those against West Brom. Backs are there to end it. You know, I, I look at things like if we haven't won on a Monday night for 20 games, we won one game nearer winning on a Monday night. You know, it's uh, so I like the facts, facts as well. Great opportunity, though, to, to, to take three points in and really kind of propel us up at the table a little bit. Look forward to what is a couple of tough games. Before we sign off, though... Um, Will you be checking out the new Gasworks restaurant bar underneath the new Kingsland stand, probably paying nearly £5 for a pint on Monday night when it opens? By the sound of the press release, there's been a lot of hot air spoken about it. <laughs> um, you know, I'm under no pressure to go, so I, I doubt if I, if I will. Um, but some people will want to let off steam. Oh, dear, um, oh, dear. So uh, <laughs> we could gas on for ages about this sort of things yeah I'm sure we can we can put this in the fire all night but um, let's uh, let's let's sign off with our prediction though Nick um, Monday night football without winning 10 in Premier League games but a couple of wins on the bounce momentum confidence what are you what are you thinking I think we're there we just need to I mean I'm not going to get involved with the gas bar but <laughs> the players have got to get involved with the game we've got to get our players on the ball like Nathan Redmond like Danny Ings like Shane Long we've got to get the ball up to them Quickly. And the good thing about Mark Hughes is he, he's encouraging a direct style of football. And by that, I don't mean hoofing it up, but he's encouraging players to play the ball forward and look for Nathan Redmond quickly uh, rather than finding that Redmond is the 14th pass uh, before the ball reaches him and he's got three players on him, as it was last season. So Mark Hughes is encouraging the players to get involved. That's what we've got to do. Go out there and play with belief. We beat Brighton in the League Cup a couple of weeks ago. OK, it was our reserves versus their reserves, but it, we still beat them and that's got to give us a bit of confidence. So we can get three points in this. We can move up the table uh, and then we can go to Anfield with a bit of confidence. And with some fire in our bellies. Exactly. Uh, there's got to be a gas joke in there somewhere. And after all that, let's hope that Saints can continue to ignite their season with a win on Monday. Let us know if you think we can turn up the heat against Brighton. Get in touch. Leave us your predictions in the comments and join the conversation. But now is time to move on to the second half of our show. As I get the chance to speak to Alan from the Albion Raw podcast and find out all things Brighton. 
So welcome along to our second half of our big match build-up show. Now's the time to speak to our opposition to understand what's going on in the way in this weekend. Uh, and it's a familiar face once again. It's only been a few weeks since we spoke, uh, but this time the, the, revol- re- the roles are reversed. This time Brighton visits St Mary's and, and look forward to... Uh, Train chaos, train nightmare, and a dash, and a dash home. But it's Premier League action this time, and, and once again, it's uh, Alan from the Albion Raw Brighton Hove podcast. Thanks for speaking to me again. How are you, mate? Fine, yeah. Just uh, yeah, it's been a while since we caught up. I mean, it was, it was a few weeks. And we had a natter about the the, the League Cup game, which um, I think pretty much went to plan. But uh, yeah, um, kind of ups and downs in the in the time since we've seen you. But um, yeah, apart from that, not too bad. Well, shall we start briefly upon the uh, the League Cup game? It was ten changes from each, and what what can you take from that game? Your pre match premonitions were pretty much shot on the spot. You know, a chance for fitness. Not not too worried about the result. I don't think it's um, Chris Hume's priority. I mean, the Premier League, we're still Premier League new boys. It's, you know, uh, still finding our feet. And I think that, you know, at, at all costs, we will we'll stay. Well, yeah, pretty much all costs will stay in the Premier League. So the League Cup is a bit of a distraction. I think that uh, playing Southampton, it was a good chance to test how far the under-23s, and it's a decent under-23s set we've got coming through, to see how they were going to play against Premier League players. And I think they'll kind of equip themselves quite well. I mean, we were all comparing notes with Southampton fans after the game as to, you know, uh, the the depth that Southampton have for their second eleven uh, versus the Albions. Now we could have actually played some more first team players. We blooded three under twenty three players and a new goalkeeper who I think was actually scared by the Southampton fans in the second half. That's another matter entirely. But yeah, I thought all three quite well, and it's kind of interesting that we get to see, and I think Chris Hutton therefore gets to see um, how well and how far those those lads are progressing. Yeah, it was a very tight game. I think both teams, you know, we made 10 changes ourselves. It only took Nathan Redman and Charlie Austin to come on and change the game under the header sort of 10 minutes from time. But Premier League action after And uh, you recovered from uh, 2-0 down against Fulham at home. What, what can you take from that result? Uh, spirited performance once again. Yeah, but it was, a, it was a frustrating thing. I felt that Fulham were there for the taking. For all the fact that pre-season people saying, oh, Fulham have spent big, and it drives me around the twist when you see people comparing how much you've spent as to how well you're going to do. Apparently, Wolves are going to be top six this season, according to some people, and, you know, blah, 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 and we're relegation fodder as well. And, you know, sorry, there's 14 teams that are relegation fodder in this division. Um, so, and I, I wasn't overly impressed with Fulham. I mean, the fans were saying, their fans, were, again, after the game, were saying they'd have been delighted with the point, at which point you say, okay, when you're tuned up with, with 30 minutes to go, would you have taken the point? It's frustrating. I felt Fulham were there for the taking, and I thought that some of our some of our work was a bit sloppy, but, um, you know, out comes the old creaking warhorse to, to save the day. So, bearing in mind we were 2-0 down as a point gain, but, you know, with the home games and, you know, the whole thing to respect, we should be beating teams like, you know, I felt that Fulham were there for the taking. So, in that sense, you could argue it's two points drops as well. It's the old cliche, you must win your home games, but it's it's yeah. four games played and four points each for Saints and Brighton, although you're just below us in the table by minus two goal difference. But, you actually, you actually mentioned this in your in our previous uh, in our previous video. It's been indifferent the results. I mean, if we take a look at two two with Fulham, a uh, one nil down at Liverpool, three two win at home against Man United, and two nil away uh, away loss to Watford. What is Chris Hughton hoping for after this international break? I think improved generally improved away performances. It's something he highlighted at the beginning of the season. Our away form was, has, has been shocking. We picked up 11 points on the road last season, and and I think we've got to improve on that. Yeah, we, we lost an appalling game 2-0 uh, at Watford. And it's all about perspectives. We lost 1-0 to Liverpool, but it was a vast improvement on the previous games against Liverpool. We, we feared a tonking, 
an absolute tonking. It was one nil, and, and and we could have actually snatched it a point at the end there. So it's it's all about improvements, just little bits of improvement. Now, if we played like we did against Liverpool. I think it'd be a good game and actually we may get something out of Southampton game. If we played like we did against Watford, we're going to get stuffed. Um, even with a, a team that's, um, you know, is, is at the moment is, is kind of mid-table fodder at the moment, Southampton. I think you're too good to go down. But, you know, there's, I think there might have to be a bit of a major investment in Southampton if you're really going to push on and go further up the table. So there's not a huge amount of difference at the moment between Brighton and Southampton in terms of, you know, the maddening inconsistency that you'll see from the players where you think, you know, there's a, there's a point to be gained here or there's three to be gained here and you get nothing or you're fearing a stuffing and you actually do really well and get, get something from the game. So um, when it comes to sort of like the consistency and who knows who's going to play, then, well, throw a, a dice in the air and see how it lands. Cause you think, Oh, this is going to be great. You know, we, we've got a good game coming up here and a possibility of a point, which at the moment we'd actually take. And then, you know, we go and play like idiots and get stuffed six nil or we play like demons and, and, you know, sneak it one nil. You mentioned a couple of things there, you know, your waveform has been abysmal. Um, I saw a statistic it's four straight defeats at the moment with no goals. And I actually picked Ooh. up on a, uh, an article from your website, actually from the Brighton website, Matthew Ryan was in the press this week and he said, we need to learn from our mistakes what are they at times it's sloppiness and in times it's just general approach like i said we've had two away games in the league and and they were they were vastly different i mean i suppose that the liverpool defeat as well as we did we kept salah uh, and co quiet and the goal that they scored was was a real shoot in the foot it was our free kick which we just played so sloppily um and and you do not give salah even half a sniff and and he'll do you the watford game we were just poor all round it was more like a pre-season friendly um so i'd like to think that the mistakes that they've actually learned from and it, and it is you know you, you do tear your hair out you know from you know what what's left of Chris Hutton's hair he's going to be tearing his hair out when you realize that the mistakes you make are so avoidable um they're from even things I, I think that actually even even one mistake I believe Chris Hutton made for the Fulham game was he brought Lewis Dunk back too quickly I mean I've, I've seen him put better strikers than Mitrovic in his pocket before and he was actually beasted by him a couple of times. And that's unusual for Lewis Duncan. He'd just come back from an injury. And, and Leon Balogun was perfectly good enough. So it's the things like making sure you do your clearances, play your passes right. It's the individual choices when you're up front, you know, whether to play or pass, whether to shoot or, or cross it. And it's it's... It's maddening. For instance, in the Fulham game, now we did quite well and, and got the game back, but the, the supply line, Solly March on one side and Anthony Knockout on the other side, you could see Glenn Murray and Dale Stevens in the middle and, and all the others absolutely screaming blue murder at them because the quality of their crosses or the decision-making at a given moment was driving them around the twist. It would a cross would be either over-hit or under-hit. It wouldn't come in and so on and so forth. So it's it's about, the, it's not, it's, it's about mistakes is one thing, but I think it's also about the... Uh, the, the decision making at a given moment and you have to get that right I think those that get it right more often the, the right decision at the right time are the ones that go up the table the quality is always there it's the decision making at a given moment and very much uh, underrated in terms of the quality and, and you said it just briefly just a moment ago the old creaking war horse Glenn Murray leading <laughs> the way for his for the goals for Brighton this season once again you know up there in double figures last season as well he's got good memories of playing against Southampton scored both the goals and both the draws last season um, what's his approach this time? I think that what he is is that he's a he is an excellent six yard sniffer. So you know defenders have to be sort of very wary of him. But he's also good with his back to goal. He he is quite good. I I, I suspect that probably 
probably Southampton fans might get on his back because he's quite good at, shall we say, getting free kicks. He's not in the Zahar mould, but, uh, you know, sometimes for a, for a big old fella, he can actually, uh, you know, go down a little bit too easy. That's not to say he's diving. It's just sort of, you know, he'll feel the hand on the back and, you know, up goes the, the whiplash and everything. But having said that, he is a sniffer. He knows where to be. If he can get the right service, he could be deadly. Now, the only maddening thing I find about Glenn Murray, he could be our club's all-time top scorer, but for the fact he's still, at the age of 106 or whatever he is, he still has not learned the offside rule. He has no pace, and I think he's always trying to be, you know, trying to steal a march on a defender, and he cannot not be offside. I would lay really good odds that he will be caught offside so many times on Monday. Well, do you know what? I watched the analysis of the uh, Fulham game and he's a very crafty centre forward. Um, I think he remember he's he kind of pushed the defender out of the way. Oh, say I'm here, then takes a, a dive the other way or a runner out around the other side. And he's also the player with the most amount of fouls in the Premier League this season. I can well believe that. I can well believe it. He can be a little bit clumsy, a little bit careless. I mean, I, I, I can't think of a, uh, a an equivalent. I mean, he's a classic English number nine uh, playing in a current foreign style football. Uh, I start to say that we're, you know, we're not a Tony Pulis type side. We're really not. We do have better players than that. And he has got a certain amount of skill about him. But, you know, he seems, he also seems to be the one who knows how to shoot. If you saw the Fulham game, Solly marched through one on one. He's about 12 yards out. He sticks it into orbit. And it's maddening. It's absolutely maddening that some of the shooting is so dreadful. And Glenn Murray is the only person who can get it on target. So it's also it's, as good as it is that he's doing what he's doing and he's closing in on his 100 goals for Brighton. Um, he's on 97 at the moment. But he's the only one that seems to can shoot at the moment. And that's really, really worrying. It seems like Chris Hewitt might be overly reliant. So uh, Monday night football then, uh, you expect some mad dash to the last train home from Southampton Central. <laughs> we had that sort of uh, a few weeks ago. So what's what's your hopes and predictions for uh, for Monday night? Well, I'd like to think that after a, an international break, you know, not every player, I mean, as a few have gone out on, on, on international duty, I'd like to think that a few of them actually sort of sorted themselves out a little bit. And those who have gone into training, you know, they, they've worked on some of the basics. It's some of the basics that drive you around the twist, the quality of the passing, the shooting, you know, the fact that you've got the, 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 the forwards and the midfield players all chirping at the creative players. Come on, let's have some better quality. So... As for, I mean, Southampton obviously going to be very strong at home. Right now, I'll be delighted with a point just because our away form is so shocking. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough place to go, St Mary's. I'm really not expecting a result. I, I, I do remember Gus Poet's first game. We got a result there. Uh, again, Glenn Murray scored twice. Um, and we had a, you know, a, a great time down there. But that's sort of nine years ago. That's history. Oh, Give me a point now. I'll be delighted. <laughs> and uh, hopefully you get back on the train in time. And before you go, tell everybody once again where uh, where we can find you. Okay, this is the Albion Raw Radio Show and Podcast in Brighton. We're on 97.2 FM. You can also find our podcast on Audio Boom. Just search out the Albion Raw on audioboom.com. And let's hope Southern Fail don't strike again. <laughs> oh, quite, yeah. Thanks, Alan. All the best. 
A big thanks once again to Alan from the Albion Raw Brighton podcast. Do remember to check out all their pages for all your Brighton needs. And if you're living in the Brighton Hove area, do check out their regular radio show. I don't know, if are you a local broadcaster watching, listening to this episode? Have you got an idea for a Saints and a radio show? I don't know. Let's talk. But that does call full time on this week's episode. Remember to leave us your predictions. Join the conversation ahead of Monday night's kickoff. Uh, a big thanks for watching. A big thanks for listening. We'll see you at St. Mary's on Monday night. Come on, you saints.